Turn with me again uh, to, we're going to do part four. This will be the last part of so much. I'll just want to do, uh, as the Lord leads us this morning on this, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to lift just a verse out or so. And it's Ephesians 6. We've been on this for a few weeks. We're not going to do even a, really a recap because I just want to move on and get this rounded up and finished this morning. And we won't keep you too late this morning either. We appreciate your attendance. Uh, Ephesians 6, please. And just the one verse again, verse 11. Paul writes, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We've looked at the spiritual aspect of this uh, right through. We've looked at the armor of God and uh, over the weeks as well. So Paul says, put on the whole armor of God, the whole panoply, as it were, every single part of it. And keep it on, it means, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles is methodia. It's the methods of the devil. Turn with me then to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to look a bit more at some of the methods of the devil this morning. We're going to look at it, uh, God helping us and God willing. Matthew chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him upon the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for every remembrance of your son this morning around the table. Well, thank you, Father, that you're here, that you're with us in the power and person of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you're one of our number, and we thank you, Lord, you're here to speak to our hearts. Father, remember those who are in mourning this morning, those who are hurting this morning, those who are ill this morning, those who are away this morning, and those who are watching live or later And Lord, we pray for those who are here this morning, Lord, that you would bless and encourage, Lord, that you would speak to us as you deem it fit to do. Glorify the Lord Jesus, I pray, in his name we ask it. Amen. Something I want to just point out about the temptation of the Lord Jesus in the the wilderness by Satan or the devil here. 
you know, it's, there's a spur, such a spiritual aspect of this. For example, did Satan take him into the holy city literally and, show, and up into a pinnacle of the temple? Did he take him onto a, a high mountain literally because he would have had to leave the wilderness from where he left at the end of this and come out in the power of the Holy Ghost? Really, this is a spiritual rendering where he has taken on, if you were to stand on Mount Everest, the most highest point on planet Earth, you still wouldn't see all the, as it were, the kingdoms off the whole earth. But really, this is a spiritual aspect where he brings him to a place in his spiritual thinking and heart and mind in the weakness even of his flesh from fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And think about it. Many have died without food, without water, in less days than even that. So notice here how whenever we think of the devil, remember the diabolos, the diabolical one. We think of him and how he attacks God's people when they're at their weakest. He tempts people when they're at their lowest. He'll speak into your life. He'll speak into your heart. He'll speak into your mind. And he will do it. And why? That you will fall at whatever hurdle you're at at that moment, place, point, and time. Cause you to worry. Cause you to have fear. Anxiety cause you to fret, to feel hopeless and helpless. And that's the idea. Remember, if you listen to him, the father of lies, that's how you as a believer will be oppressed by him. Not possessed now. Oppressed by him. But if you listen to the voice of God and the word of God, then your father, through his word and spirit, He will bless you. He will keep you, strengthen you, encourage you, help you. And I'm speaking to those who are believers here. I'm speaking to the the blood-washed, the blood-bought children of God. Because if you're not saved, you're still under Satan's cause. He doesn't really seem to be bothering you because your life is already sold out to him. You may be the best of people in human terms, but your life is still under his authority, rule and reign, until you yield yourself, repent of your sins, and come by faith to the cross, pleading the blood of the Lamb, and trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, and following after him. And until that, you're not under, as we said before, new management, but rather you're still under the old regime under the regime of the wicked one. If you remember, the Lord Jesus in Acts 10 and 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Remember, we looked at that word. It's like Jesus is a philanthropist. In other words, one who looks to do good. So Jesus looks to do you good, believer, child of God. He looks to bless you. He looks to walk with you, to have communion with you and fellowship with you. In other words, he's a person who seeks to promote your welfare. That's what Christ thinks of you. He wants to promote your welfare. And he wants to promote it that you would do well in him. 
But he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In other words, the the word oppressed means one who exercises harsh control over another. And the devil exercises harsh control over another. For example, in life before we know Christ, harsh control because he binds you, he lies to you, he blinds you, he causes addiction, tempting the flesh, addiction to all sorts of things, to alcohol, to drugs, sexual addiction, gambling addiction, all manner of things of of sexual immorality are all the binding of Satan, but only Christ can loose the bonds. But if you've been saved by grace, if you've been by faith washed in the blood of the Lamb, then you this morning, child of God, you are not under that anymore. He has set you free, free from all of our sin. So here's what I want you to see this morning, that the methods of the devil are various, but the devil is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. Our Father in heaven is all-powerful. You see, here's the problem. Ephesians 4 and 27, Paul says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. It means don't even give him a foothold. And once he gets a foothold in your thinking, once he gets a foothold in the flesh, once he gets a foothold in your life, he can get a foothold by making you too busy to spend time with God. He can get a foothold in your life by telling you that, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. God would never forgive you because you failed. That's a lie. I believe there's still power in the blood. Many footholds and many methods, the methodia of this diabolical one who wants to hold God's people down. He slanders. Don't give him a foothold in your life, brothers and sisters. In Revelation 20 and verse 2 and in verse 10, it speaks of the devil that deceived them. That is, those in the world, he deceived all of us at one point until Christ came and brought light and life into our hearts and our minds. And he's a deceiver. Diabolus means he is the one who wants to, with his mouth, slander you to God. God to you and man to man. Notice here, in Matthew 4 and 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted off this diabolos, this devil. Here's something we want to look at before we go any further this morning. Before we look deeper into this Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and the methods of the devil. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, 
but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So in other words, you and I thrown into a situation like Matthew 4, we would fail on our own strength. Our flesh is weak, we fail. We give a foothold to the devil. Maybe I'm never going to get over this illness. Maybe I'm never going to get out of this depression. Maybe I'm never going to get away from this anxiety. Maybe I'm never going to get away from what's happening. Maybe it's never going to change. And that's all lies. Because Jesus wants to bless you. As a believer, to do you good in the sense that you'll do well in him. I'm not talking about all this health, wealth, and prosperity away off the scale stuff. I'm talking about he wants to bless you where you are in your life. He wants you to know that you are his and that he loves you. When you were an enemy to him, he loved you and still died for you. Give his life for you. And yet we can insult the Savior by at times and in moments say, do you still love me, Lord? Love you? I left glory for you? Love you? I went through agony for you? Love you? I went to the cross for you? Love you. I shed my blood for you. And if we were to hear anything else this morning, sure, that's enough. Isn't it? That he loves us so much. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. So there's not a temptation or a trial that you and I go through that Christ doesn't know how we feel in it, what we're going through in it. Look, as God, as God, he knows all about me. All about me. As God, he knows all about you. But as a man, a human being, as a man, he understands me. He understands you in your frame, your human frame, what pain is like, what hunger is like, what thirst is like, what tiredness is like, what rejection is like, what hate is like. He understands all of it because he's been through it all. And in fact, he's actually entered a veil you and I have not entered yet. The veil of death. He's tasted death for every man, for every one of us. He, he went through that and now risen again, exalted, glorified and seated at the right hand of the Father. Here he can intercede for us as our great high priest. And here's why, because the high priest of Israel, they went in with the breastplate of judgment with the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And they first had to go in and actually had to, uh, they had to make uh, sprinkle blood for themselves first. 
And then they had to come in with Israel's sin on judgment on their breastplate, as it were. But the high priest, uh, there's a word there that means to enter into other sufferings. It's the word sympathio. And it means the high priest had to enter right in. He had to know what it was like to be uh, uh, the taste of sin, the taste of what Israel were. He was representing them before the presence of God in the holy place. So he had to know, so he was a man. And hence Christ, our great high priest, he has entered into the presence of God and there he is uh, the man in the glory he's praying for us. Yet he had no sin of his own, but yet he bore the penalty of your sin and of my sin. In other words, as a human being, a flesh and blood man who died on the cross, who shed his blood, who went to the grave into the veil of death and rose again the third day, this same Jesus who is glorified and standing before the Father in heaven, guess what? He understands everything about you. In other words, he stands as though he were you. He stands as if he was me. And when the devil comes to tempt, and when the devil comes to test, when it's a, 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 a loathsome, loathsome, wicked spirit comes and tries to oppress God's people, he has, he has no strength nor power over you, believer. The only reason he has any strength or power over you is because you let him. It's because you give him your mind, you give him your thoughts, you give him free reign sometimes. And he runs wild with it. Like the snowball effect that gets bigger in your heart, gets bigger in your mind, gets bigger in your life, and you feel you can't cope anymore. When all of the time, remember we sang it a couple of weeks ago, greater is he that is in you or in me than he that is in the world. Stop letting the devil use your mind as his playground. Toying with you, playing with you, deceiving you, blinding you, hurting you, maiming you. I'll never get through this. Yes, you will, because you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Yes, you will. We'll never cope. Yes, you will in the grace of God. You will cope. I can do all things. And all things means in the spiritual level. It doesn't mean you can jump out of an airplane of 30,000 feet without a parachute and expect to live. I can do all these things with Christ in me. With Christ in the vessel we can smile at the storm as we go sailing on. Notice, brothers and sisters, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So touched with the feeling, sympathio means he enters into everything that we are going through and everything that we're feeling. Let me just get to this. This I haven't turned it over to this. Okay, so Hebrews 4 and verse 16, please. 
because of this, notice, let us therefore come boldly. Would you say boldly? Now, that's not arrogantly, irreverently, or anything of the such. The word boldly here means to have confidence. Confidence. Not confidence in self, but confidence in knowing who your great high priest is. Confidence in knowing what this great high priest is doing for you in the glory. Confidence to knowing that he is presenting the greatest sacrifice of the shedding of blood that ever there was on this earth. Presenting his own sacrifice. The wounds in his hands and the wounds in his feet and his riven side. You know the only man-made thing that is in heaven today is the wounds of Christ, the scars that he bears. It's the only man-made thing in heaven. They made the hands, the scars in his hands. They made the scars in his feet and the riven side on a ploughed field back. You see, John sees him. I'm going off topic, but stay with me. John sees him in Revelation 5, and he sees him as a lamb, as it were, slain, was slain, past tense, but the lamb is alive in the throne of God. Speaking of Christ, how did he know he was as if he was slain? Because there were scars on the lamb. So we can come boldly, to the, unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in your time of need, and the methods of the devil are when you're weak, when you're frail in mind and body, what do we do? Well, one, we don't give a place to the devil. Don't give him a foothold. He's one of those salesmen who went round the door and when some, somebody would open the door, he'd put the foot in the door until he got a seal. And he'll do it with you. If you take his word on, if you believe what he says, and you don't trust the word of God which says he is a liar. Would you say the devil's a liar? Would you say it louder? No, I sound like you believe it. He's a liar. And he's the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. I believe Jesus, do you not? I believe everything. I just don't believe in Jesus. I believe everything Jesus says. So the devil is a liar. He's the father of it. And he was a murderer from the beginning. And that's what he wants to do. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Thank God it doesn't stop. He says, I'm come that they might have Life, they might have it more abundantly. He wants, that's the blessing of the, the newness of life in Christ. Again, I'm not talking about aeroplanes and, uh, and multi-million pound houses or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the blessings of the spiritual blessings in Christ for every believer. And so we can come and find help. That's what we do. We don't give them a football and rather... Instead of running away and letting the flesh torment us. And you know when you're meant to be, you know, when you know the Lord saying, come and talk to me. And I'm sure I'm speaking to a hundred people out of a hundred people of every hundred. I don't know if many here this morning, a couple hundred or more. 
Every one of us, when the, devil's, uh, when the devil has your mind tormented, and the Spirit of God in you, believer, says, come and talk to me. Read the Word. What does it say about you? But you continue on in that stupor, in that state. I don't feel like it. Whether you feel like it or not, you need it. You need it. Even if it's a groan from the heart before him. In Matthew 4 and verse 1, you see a remarkable change in this chapter. It says, Matthew 4 verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What a change that he's now in the wilderness or the desert to be tempted of the devil. He goes, the Lord Jesus that is, he goes from the cool waters of the river Jordan being baptized to the heat of the wilderness. Do you ever get whenever, you know, things are going so well and suddenly you're on the mountaintop? You're on the mountaintop, then suddenly you wonder, how did I get so quickly in the valley? How did that happen? I want to let you into a secret. It's not always the devil. It was the Spirit of God that brought Jesus here. It was the Spirit of God that brought him. Sometimes we wonder, how did we get here? Well, you see, we would all love to live in the mountaintop, wouldn't we? Who doesn't want to live in the mountaintop? We all do. But if we lived on the mountaintop all the time, you know, sooner or later with our nature as human beings, we would less and less start to appreciate the mountaintop. We were away just this week. We were walking around by Portrush. It was not warm, but sometimes you'd be a bit of a sun come out for about four or five seconds in a way again, and and you know when we got that, you know sometimes you know, you see the sun, you go, oh there's the sun, you know you you try and grab it with your forehead. And we're walking around the beach and are on the path. It's just lovely just to be, you know, just to have our thoughts to ourselves, and we're walking around and. Alison said, wouldn't it be great to have this to walk around every day? I says, yeah, but you know what? See, after a while, you'd stop doing it. And you'd stop appreciating it. Because it just becomes, well, there it is. We're like that with everything. We can be like that with ministry. We can be like that with scenery. (laughs) We can be like that with family. Stop appreciating it. Until maybe there's a health scare. We always, you know, we love our family, but, you know, some family, you know, they say you can choose your friends, you can't choose your family. And sometimes you can take or leave, you know. But when something happens, you realize how precious they are. Sometimes you don't realize until it's too late and they're gone. That can happen with ministry. 
you know what, we're getting fed and we're enjoying the ministry and people come, but all of a sudden, you know, well, we're well fed, so we don't really need it as much now. It can happen in scenery. We could be walking up Port Rush, Port Stewart direction, around the north coast, and really appreciate it, which we did every day. It was like, see that sea earth, and it's just lovely to walk, and just, just beautiful, it was lovely. Look at God's creation. And yet, if you lived there, you'd probably find that you would just get so used to it. And the appreciation wouldn't be there. If we were all to be on the mountaintop every day. Listen, I have a mountaintop experience every day. Either I'm on top of the mountain or the mountain's on top of me. And you could be the same. You're on the top of the mountain or the mountain's on top of you. Sometimes God has to bring us into the valley that we may appreciate what he gives to us and what he does for us. But take notice, the Spirit brings Jesus into the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit. Remember, we looked here, it says, then was Jesus led up of the Holy Spirit. And we looked, I think it was in part one, and how Mark chapter 1 and 12, it says the Spirit driveth or drives Jesus out. Leads him out and drives him out. I don't want to go into the two words again because we we broke that down and time's already flying here. And notice here, It's the Spirit that brings Jesus in. But yet, it isn't the Spirit that's tempting Jesus because God tempts no man. It's the devil. And sometimes the devil, we have to look at him as God's ape. He does what he's told. In other words, God allows the devil to be the devil sometimes. And if the devil wants to be the devil, then the devil is always a bad devil. He's a liar, he's a murderer, he's all of those things. And so when the Spirit brings you somewhere into the valley, as it were, off the mountaintop or from the cool waters of Jordan into the wilderness, guess what happens? The bad devil will say, now's my chance to strike. It's like when the bread of God came down from heaven, as Pastor Glenn mentioned this morning, when he came down from heaven... Remember that in Genesis 3 and 15, how the Lord says there would be one who would come and the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would crush the serpent's head. How could the serpent, i.e. the devil, ever, ever come anywhere near the power and the majesty and the authority of Almighty God? Because when God became flesh in the person of Jesus, he hit him at the heel because It was God walking on earth, nailed to the cross. But that kneeling to the cross was the demise of the devil, for Jesus crushed his head. You might find yourself from the Jordan to the water, from the waters of Jordan to the wilderness, from the crowds and company into solitude and silence where you feel so alone. You can be in a crowd and feel alone, by the way. The biggest crowd there is and everyone around you and still feel lonely. And then there's times you can be all alone and have the presence of God and the company of the Spirit and you can feel, well, you've got all the company you need. Sometimes it's from the crowds and the company of the river to the solitude and silence from the resting spirit coming as the form of the dove, now the driving spirit into the wilderness, from the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, to the voice of the devil. And that's what he does, twists the word of God. If thou be the Son of God, 
if thou be the Son of God. In his weakness of his flesh, 40 days and 40 nights, he is fasting. And here's the thing. 40 is the number of testing and trial in the scriptures. Jesus was going through the greatest of trial, representing all trials. And the devil comes along. Satan himself comes along. Sometimes he'll come in the form of a person. Some people think it was the Pharisees came and through the flesh of the Pharisees they were tempting him. But I don't know how spiritually they would take him to the the pinnacle of a temple and I don't know how they would take him to the highest of mountains. Nevertheless, this trial, uh, this testing that Christ went through, the Spirit drives him out, leads him on and it's the devil being a bad devil. If thou be the Son of God, and he comes to you, especially in the night watches when everybody else is sleeping. Your mind is just rolling like a roller coaster. You get up in the morning and it's still going. And here's what he says. Did God really say that? Did God really tell you that? Does the word really mean that? Are you really saved? You can see yourself even from sickness to a grave. And brothers and sisters, the more we give him a foothold, the closer the grave seems. The worse the illness appears the lower the depression becomes. Because he oppresses our minds and in the oppression of our minds, we have listened to his lies. And in listening to his lies, guess what happens? We start to serve him. Rather than listening to the voice of our Father, Jesus has went from the anointing declaration of sonship to the, to the deviance and deception, the temptation from the devil, from an open heaven in Jordan and a closed hell, so to speak, to uh, an opened hell in the wilderness, to a closed, seemingly closed heaven. This methodia, this one who, uh, the methodia means trickery, the cunning one through his arts. Uh, it means he's the malignant one. He becomes malignant in your mind and malignant in your heart and malignant in everything you are. If you let him, we could pray for you every single week. We could pray for you and look, we will pray for you. I'm not saying against that. But we would pray for you. We could pray every single day with you and for you. But if you don't take God's word into your life, into your mind, into your heart, and walk in the power of the word and in the truth of the word, then you're not making any forward steps. You'll always be under the oppression that he brings. I'm going to close this with this. In verse 1, we have this spiritual experience. Verse 2, 
fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was a hungered. Here we have his physical experience. In verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. Here's his mental experience. If you're the Son of God, doubting into his head, into his mind. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Here is the scriptural experience. A few years ago, I'd done sword fencing with the devil. Remember, Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It is written. He takes out the sword. Parry one, it is written. Again, it is written. And the third time, it is written. Stabs the devil in the heart and he flees from him. Let me say just for two minutes, what does God say about you, believer, child of God? Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3 let me read it. it. says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I, am, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Notice God, God's claim on his own redeemed. God's claim on his own. If you're redeemed by the blood this morning, God says you're mine. You know, we sing songs sometimes. In fact, I think we sang one there last week, maybe. And I thought, I meant to say, see that wee leg? You and me, I changed some songs. And I said, see that line? I'm going to change, get them to change that line on the PowerPoint. Because it says that we hold, we won't, we'll hold him and won't let go of him. Something along that line. And, you know, that's not, that's not really true because we let go all the time. It's his grip on us, not our grip on him. It's his grip on you, not your grip on him. Notice verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Notice I believe that the Lord is referring in verse 2, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. I believe he's referring to Exodus 14, when Israel walked through dry shore across the Red Sea. And whenever he says, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee, in Joshua chapter 3, Israel walked through the river Jordan as well. The swelling of Jordan was a, a great event because if, if you could even keep up at that time, you were a good one. But they walked through the Jordan. And it didn't overflow them. And, and one in, in Isaiah's day is looking ahead when the house of Judah were in Babylon and the three Hebrew boys were, were put into the fire, remember? And, uh, and the king comes down and he says, uh, were there not three put into the fire? Behold, look, and I see the form of a fourth man in the fire. Who was in the fire? The Lord Jesus was with them in the fire. And the thing is here, he says, And when thou, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. This hadn't even happened yet. And we're told uh, in the book of Daniel that there wasn't even a smell of smoke about them. 
So what he's saying is, I am the God who brought you through the Red Sea. Closer again, I brought you through the Jordan and I will bring you through the fire. What is he saying? He says, I am the same yesterday and today and forever. I will not leave thee nor forsake thee and I won't fail thee. That's what he's saying to you. And the devil comes and says, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure, devil, that Jesus said he will be with me always, even unto the end of the age. We need to take these things in. For he's our saviour. Look, time is flowing. I have so much material. So Paul says, put on the whole armour of God. Put on, it means keep it on and don't take it off. Don't leave one part of it off. Your shoes are the preparation of the gospel of peace on. Get them on you. We've got the gospel saved by the grace of God in Christ alone. You know, you've got your uh, the belt or the girdle of truth. I know the truth, devil. You can come with your lies, but I know what the truth is in Christ. Truth as a person. Breastplate of righteousness. I'm righteous in Christ. Not because of any special thing I've done or I am, but because of all that he's done and all who he is. Helmet of salvation, guard your mind. The words of salvation, guard your mind. Take the shield of faith, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You need to take it the faith tells you all these parts fit together. The faith tells you salvation and gospel and righteousness and truth. And you have all of these things in. When the devil comes, just lift out the sword and cut his head off. Thus saith the Lord. If you give the devil space to rant in your head, he'll stay there forever. Renew your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus, Paul says. May God bless us this morning. Bless us where to our hearts.